0: All right, everyone, welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game, and if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome into Season 4, Episode 17 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdak. I am one of your co-hosts. I am joined, as always, by one of my good buddies, coolest guy I know, the best brewer in town, Mr. Tom. How are we doing? I am
1: doing fantastic after, uh, whew, I, I mean, fair to say the the best semifinal games as a whole since the inception of the playoffs.
0: Would you agree? I think I got to agree with that. I think I got to agree with that. The best the Texas Southern Cow game with Vince Young—that was BCS, correct? That was BCS. Yeah, that was probably the best, like you know, national championship game I've seen, um, or one of the most memorable. But yes, as semifinal games go, definitely one of the best ever. Fantastic. probably the best ever. Uh, best. Yes. Team. Speaking of best ever, we had the exact opposite. Thomas, you and I both predicted uh that we were going to see alabama versus texas in a rematch and we were wrong very very wrong dead that, wrong that's what we like to call in the business uh, ice take thomas if we wanted to get some ice cold beverages we're gonna we get some ice
1: yeah some ice let me tell you about our friends at twice the ice and speaking of ice you know Michael Penix Jr. We're going to get into that game in a little bit. Going down in Husky lore as a Husky legend, you know who else likes ice? Are the Huskies? They run that Iditarod. That thing's crazy, right? You know, right. mushing yeah. all over everywhere. I bet those trainers, bet those trainers those dogs up in Saskatchewan or hell, I don't know, Alaska in the balmy Alaska summers would like some ice. Would like some twice the ice machines to uh, get those dogs ready for that ice. But they don't have them. We do. We have twice the ice machines, and this is where you need to be getting your ice. Can't believe people are still buying it from the gas station. They charge almost $3 for a measly 7-pound bag. They used to be 10 pounds and 8. Now they're 7. Don't understand why anybody's paying that. when You can get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds dumped into your cooler for only $2.50. <clears throat> Twice the ICE machines are conveniently located around the Columbia area, including Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia, downtown, even east over. And we have a special deal for you, our listeners. When you're standing at the machine, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number with a bag. Slide out. It's super easy, super convenient, and best of all, it is totally free to you. Try it out for your next party or your next Iditarod training session. Participating locations can be found at tticlub.com/slash. Lake Murray Ice. All right, Andrew, we paid the bills. Let's get into some of these games. Yeah,
0: before we jump all the way into the semifinal, let's just take a look at bowl games in general. Thomas, the first one that sticks out to me for all the wrong reasons is Georgia and Florida State's bowl game. Florida State, uh, I believe, had 20 or more players opt out of the bowl game and ended up losing 63-3. to Kirby smart after the game said, Hey, we got to do something about this. You know, yeah, we're going to a 12 team playoff, but if we continue in this current system, this current landscape, this is what we're going to see. Thomas. I mean, was this a blip on the radar or is this a sign of bad things to come? We are,
1: we are an audio medium. So the listeners cannot see me smile laughing because I had to laugh when, when Kirby said that, because In a sense, yeah, he's right. I get that. But you cannot tell me that Georgia was not out there making a statement. They wanted to beat Florida State's brains in, not because it was Florida State, but because they felt they got snubbed out of the playoffs and they were making a statement. Opted out to 20 players off Florida State are not, you know, maybe Georgia wouldn't have scored 63 points, but Georgia was out for blood and they were going to beat anybody's ass that was standing in front of them.
0: You're absolutely right, and I do, I agree with you. When Mark said that, I was like, "All right." Or excuse me, when Kirby Smart said that, I was like, "Okay, Kirby. Like, let's call let's call it as it is." Y'all were trying to prove a point right now, um, on behalf of your own team, on behalf of the SEC. Like, y'all y'all were doing this to prove a point, but it is a problem. It's hard to play games when you've got guys that are sitting out. Um, you know, you don't know, you know, so many of these things had games where, you know, the starting quarterback was sitting out. So, who, how, who, how, you know, you don't know how to predict the game or, or you know, what you're going to get out of that situation. You know, in South Carolina situation, had we made a bowl game, I can almost pretty much guarantee you Spencer Rattler would have set that game out. Um, to Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett prepare themselves for the NFL draft. And, you know, hell juice
1: set hit- out the last
0: quarter of the season. Right. So, I mean, I, I, it's just it's really, it's a strange world. We're living in college football wise right now, along those same lines, when you had the Ohio state game, Ohio state. Now I've heard conflicting reports here, Thomas, that Melvin Harrison, Jr. Mark, excuse me, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Warmed up with the team. That is accurate. He did warm up with the team, but I've heard it said two ways. One, that the coaches knew all along he wasn't playing. They were just trying to not announce it to play a cat and mouse game, to not have the other team have that advantage, which I can somewhat see possibly. And then I've also said that he just decided, hey, I'm after he warmed up, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna play this. I'm not gonna play this. So Thomas, first of all, which one of those stories seems more plausible to you?
1: I, I I think the the latter the, the the cat and mouse game seems a little bit more plausible. I don't know Marvin Harrison Jr., but I do know that he has uh, his sights set on the NFL and will most likely get drafted very high and make a whole ton of money in the NFL. And I do know that that had he pulled that uh, that switcheroo at the last minute that does not look good to NFL scouts. And he will get no. asked about that in interviews. So I think it's more of a cat and mouse game, um, with coach day, uh, trying to pull one over on Drinkowitz.
0: Well, it sure didn't work for him because Missouri got that win. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, you know, that's a big topic of conversation right now is how bad Ohio state's record is against the sec. Uh, they have never beaten South Carolina along those lines. Um, so, you know, that is something that we can hang our hat on, but yeah, um, this is a con- conversation for another show down the road, but Ryan Day starting to get himself a hot seat in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Ohio. And he's yeah. he's going to have to start doing some things because he's gone from the bell of the ball to the man that's about to get kicked out. Midnight's about to strike. And uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see right now, um, especially with their starting quarterback transferring out at the end of the season. All right, Thomas, we want to talk obviously more about the semifinal games. We mentioned how good they were. Both of them very, very good. Bama and Michigan going into overtime. Texas and Washington. We'll talk about how much of that either one of us saw live, Um, but it was a hell of a ball game too. We'll start off with Bama and Michigan. Thomas, the thing I said I was most concerned about for, for if you're a Bama fan was, could they block Michigan's defensive line? Unfortunately for Bama fans and for (laughs) Jalen Milrow, that was not the case. Five sacks in this game, Thomas. And No, I, th- I think it was I – th- I thought it was six sacks
1: because the first five sacks came in the first 16 minutes of the game.
0: Okay, we'll give it six. Yeah, I mean, either way, it's not good. But not giving, good. Up, giving up five in 16 minutes certainly isn't good. Thomas, do you happen to remember who the offensive line coach is for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Ooh, I do not. Somebody Gamecock fans are very familiar with. John Hunt. Nope. Eric. <laughs> Eric uh, Wilford.
1: Really? Wilford, yep. Would th- now, when he left South Carolina, didn't he go back up to, like, Youngstown or Delaware went, or something? He went to
0: Youngstown State and was the head coach up there. Then he, after that, he went to the NFL, I think, with the Niners as a OL coach for a little while, Kentucky as an OL coach, and I think this is his first year at Alabama. Um, okay, so okay. You know, I'm not trying to put too much blame at his feet, but that's that's uh, certainly not something that's great for the old resume. Speaking of poor offensive line play by Alabama, Thomas, I don't know that I've seen a college center struggle with the snap as badly as Alabama's center was struggling during this game.
1: Did you see that he, I think his name is Seth something, uh, I don't know. Nicole, uh, yeah. Don't know. Uh, he has entered the transfer portal apparently.
0: Well, I saw that he, oh, yep, he's entering the transfer portal. You're right. I saw something about him applying for uh, an extra year of eligibility or something. But, yeah, I'm sure he did transfer out. I'm and
1: sure he when, when he entered the transfer portal, as as um, uh, I saw one Redditor say, well, let's hope he aims high in this transfer <laughs>
0: portal.
1: I like but, it. I uh, like it. Well, I'm, like sure,
0: it. I'm sure when they got back to Tuscaloosa or probably even in the locker room and on the airplane, Nick Saban may have met him and been like, hey, you're going to want to go ahead and transfer. Like your, your, your time playing here is now over. Uh, uh,
1: Another thing that I thought uh, a stat that jumped out to me was, so I believe Alabama had 288 total yards against Michigan. That's their fewest total yards in a game since their 24 to six win over Clemson in January of 18.
0: Now that's uh, crazy. Now, Thomas, we're going to talk about a question here in a second. I want to get to, but I also said, and you said, we were interested to see what Jalen Milrow did uh, in this big game. Once again, he didn't look very comfortable, had a bad fumble, um, you know, could game cost her there. And finally, Tommy Reese, new offensive Awful. coordinator, terrible, terrible game plan. That last play on fourth and goal did not look good. Um, Got to at least have an option there to throw it or pitch it or something. Around the edge, I, it was not and,
1: pretty. And the the thing is, is like so. So coming into this game, mi, uh, Michigan defensively had a really good game plan. They they Absolutely. knew that Alabama was suspect offensive line, especially when that center started struggling. They started putting a nose over him that yep. you've mentioned before. That is just really chaos for a center. And they just brought pressure all night. Here's the thing: in about the middle, I don't remember when exactly it happened, but the middle chunk of the game, carrying into the second half. Alabama started getting stubborn with the run and they were having success running the ball to the strong side and running it into the teeth of that defense. Why Tommy Reese went away from that, I will never know. But as an Alabama fan, I will be livid over that as much as anything else.
0: Absolutely. And it's it is crazy. You're right. They did Michigan did a smart thing, very easy, smart thing to do. And so fans who are maybe slightly below average football fans, we talk about a nose. That means there's a defensive lineman in a stance right over the center. Typically, that's not the case. Typically, the center is getting to go left or right to help out a guard. Jason Kelsey for the Philadelphia Eagles is great at that. Really good at picking up that and linebacker as well. You put a true nose over a center, you're rushing him in everything that he's doing because he, as Kelsey has said, as on his own podcast, he wants his hand back to block as fast as he can, which leads to some some issues there on uh, where you have got to get that snap down quickly, and it was it was not good. So Thomas. This brings me to my ultimate question. You know, you and I had sort of talked about this, and there were rumblings about this, and there again are rumblings about it. it is it possible that we just saw Nick Saban's last game as head coach at Alabama? I I, I look at this two ways. I, I think it's
1: possible in the sense that just uh, the last – couple years and when I say couple I mean literally the last two maybe three years these have not been the some of the Bama teams of old and things Mm -hmm. have kind of started to falter a little bit and maybe some of that has to do with NIL leveling the playing field among those top 20-30 programs but and so you can kind of see that you know maybe yes coming to an end the flip side of that is Nick Saban is such a competitor, and he is the GOAT, right. and he has, what, seven championships, I That's think. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could also see him not wanting to go out this way, not yeah. wanting to go out losing in the semifinals and at least playing for one more. I could see him doing yeah. that. I could also see him making some wholesale changes, which he's not afraid to do. Don't know if the Tommy Reese thing is working out there, which is – you know, if, if you're Alabama, it's not a big deal. I mean, Sabin has shown he is more than willing to to mm-hmm. flip the script and, and 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 do a redo there. And he probably will. I think there's gonna be some some other terminations on the back end of that defense as well. So we'll see what he does in the offseason. I could definitely see him coming back and trying to go out on a higher note.
0: I agree with you. I I think I think you nailed it. Like there's two sides to this coin in my opinion is he fed up? Does he not want to deal with NIL? Does he not want to deal with all of the, you know, the transfer portal stuff? Cause a guy like Nick Saban, he's going to coach you hard. And you know, a lot, we're starting to see players just leave cause they didn't like how they were getting coached, you know, which to me says, you're not a great competitor. You're not a, a tough football player. And we don't need you around anyhow. But at the same time, like, that's the way Nick Saban is. And so it, maybe he says, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in this anymore, and I don't know. But I do. I agree with you. He don't want to go out like that. He don't want to go out like that. He wants to go out on his player's shoulder on a national championship stage and right off into the sunset as the best ever. And he is already probably the best ever. But uh, I, it'll be interesting to watch. I think it's if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say I, I feel strongly, quite honestly, eighty-five percent chance he comes back to Alabama next year. Now, are we next year? A year from today? Are we having a similar conversation? I think that's very possible. Uh, I do think he's coming to the end of his time as a head football coach. All right, Thomas, moving on to Texas and Washington. This was another fantastic game. Unfortunately, because they started it at 845 the night before <laughs> I had to go to work, I saw on. the first quarter and a half. How far did you make it in, Thomas?
1: Uh, Yeah, probably about there, and I was literally nodding off at that point.
0: And I mean, you know, I've, I've watched it. I've watched the replays. I've gone back, seen it all. Like, you know, it was a heck of a ball game. Read the write-ups about it. It was great. But you know what would have been great? You know what would have been just absolutely fantastic? If they wouldn't have done that at 845 when everybody else had to go to work the next day. Or um,
1: maybe just bump it to the day before. Oh, the NFL right. is king on Sunday. Who gives a shit, man? Right. College football fans are going to watch what they want to watch. NCAA yeah. needs to sack up and put these games. Excuse me, the broadcast companies need to sack right. up and put these games on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that was just, I hate it. Now, moving into the actual game, Michael Pinnock's Jr., man, you said it at the opening start here. He's now a legendary Husky. There is no lie about that. This young man went 29 of 38 for 430 yards passing and two TDs. Just a very good performance. Had an early late throw, excuse me, early long throw, I should say, into just a perfect accuracy window there. It was impressive, and uh, Thomas. Uh, as we've been sitting here talking, I've been looking up different mock drafts. He's listed at you know in the tenth to twelfth like spot, right? Uh, CBS's mock draft right now has him number twelve going to the Minnesota Vikings. I've been reading. I mean, six foot three, two hundred thirteen pounds. He's not a small kid. I've read where some concerns are coming in because at Indiana he had knee issues. He a lot had of injuries. He, yeah. he had a lot of injuries, so people are worried about that. But, I mean, from a pure talent standpoint, he was impressive in this game. He was, and and even though
1: he was my QB1 in our fantasy league and I rode him all the way until I got my ass beat in the playoffs, uh, I didn't watch a lot of Washington this year simply because Pac-12 games, usually later, watching other things, whatever. But uh, this was the most that I watched of him, and I'm amazed. First of all, I forget that he's a lefty. And yeah, which is always favorite. a little a little weird watching a lefty quarterback, but his release, he's got the funkiest, quickest, like short arm release, but it, it just like he flicks it and it goes 80 yep. yards down the field yep. with deadly accurate. And yeah. it is it's it's fun to watch. And I think he's really smart with the ball. I think it's a great system. That uh, Grub and DeBoer have developed for him, and I think it's just a perfect system for him. I'd l- I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. I'd love to see him go to like a Denver, Seattle, something like that.
0: Yep, I could see him in both those places. Uh, game ended on a fantastic defensive play by Washington DB uh, Elijah Jackson, who bat down the ball on fourth and goal on a pass to Texas's. I think it's a Juni. Adani, Adani, Adani. Yeah. Georgia Mitchell. transfer, Georgia. That's right, Georgia transfer, um, in almost the exact same spot where Jackson had given up a touch into touchdown to Mitchell earlier in the game. So,
1: and I gr- thought Mitchell was going to catch that ball.
0: Yeah, the, the, I, I, the, I, I, the, this too. one at
1: the end of the game.
0: Yeah, so it was a great, uh, great you know kind of redemption play there for for Jackson getting that one back to to win, help his team win there. Texas, you know, give it up to the Texas Longhorns, man. They fought their tails off came back a couple different times, you know, overcame some things and they were they were in it, you know, a, a touchdown catch on fourth and goal and an extra point, they win by one and we're talking about the Longhorns going to the Natty. Um Thomas, did you did you see anything from Texas that really jumped off the page for, for you as far as what they did or how they were playing in this game?
1: I think I think a I think a lot of it was really they had some some bad turnovers early in the game that cost them, that that put them down 10 points early, I believe. Should have taken care of the ball a little bit better. I still thought Quinn Ewers played great. I'm excited to see if he's going to come back. I don't think he's announced yet. He would be a junior next year, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but really, the, it was just a great game, and it was tit for tat, back and forth, and I thought it was fantastic chess match by both coaching staffs, right. and uh, I don't really know a whole lot more of, uh, of what Texas could have done, honestly. I yeah. mean, also, when you're talking about Washington probably has what well, – we've talked about how good Texas's defensive line is, and I think they're one of the best in the country. Washington may have the best offensive line in the country.
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about them here as we get into this preview of Washington versus Michigan. Michigan's defensive line, as, you went, as we talked about a second ago, they produced six sacks against Alabama, but this Washington line is impressive. They have two very good offensive tackles. They're two guards and center sort of undersized, but all all five players are four stars or better recruits than they have developed. This team averages over 500 yards of total offense, and this line, Thomas, is a big part of it.
1: Yes, yes, completely agree, completely agree. I think that, and like you said, they showed it. They showed it against Alabama, notwithstanding Alabama's offensive line woes, but, this is the, the the strength of their defense for sure and this defense has been built I think this is crazy but I saw uh, a Michigan fan mention this earlier today this defense has been built for years to beat and to stop and slow down and ultimately to beat high-powered offenses like Ohio State has that's what this defense is built for and they've really centered it around the defensive line and I think that's when this defense is really taken off
0: yeah I agree with you and it, it's I really feel like this is, is strength on strength. You know, I can always make an argument that the, the game's won and lost along the line of scrimmage. I think it's going to be very much that case in this game. You've got your best you – know, the defensive line of Michigan, that's their best portion of their defense. Offensive line of, of Washington, that's going to be a battle. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it's going to have a big determining factor. You know, it, mistakes are going to be a, a a big thing if you make a mistake because, you know, it's one of those – times when you got best on best the a mental mistake you know you you miss a call to to change your blocking scheme on a on a run play or pass play and all of a sudden you turn somebody loose because you weren't expecting to go get that guy can can be a game changing moment. Thomas my biggest concern right now with Michigan that I saw during the Alabama game do they have a getting too cute problem like they, they tried to run a double reverse pass that almost got J.J. McCarthy killed. And then they do a flea flicker when Bama's showing blitz. They're showing a gap backer coming. Like, they are showing blitz the whole way, and Blake uh, Corum has to, has to turn and pitch on the flea flicker and get back around as fast as he can to pick up that mm-hmm. blitzer, and he short arms the pitch. J.J. McCarthy has no choice but to fall on it, and it's you know messes up everything. What is I, I liked what Michigan did overall on offense, but were they trying to get too cute, too creative? Were they making it too complicated?
1: Yeah, I think I think sometimes sometimes coaches just get in their own heads a little bit. Now I do think the I want to say earlier this season I remembered reading that the flea flicker. Was pretty much a staple in their offense, and they had run it like three or four times, three or four different games earlier this season. Regardless, that's fine in the regular season. This right. is this is not the time to pull some Chad Morris rabbit out of the hat and run some stupid throwback pass. Like, right. just stick to the basics, as that's Coach right. Kilmer used to say. As stick Coach Kilmer to the used to
0: say, stick to the basics. Well, and here's the thing I could see if you weren't going toe to toe with them, I could right. see if Bama's getting a little bit of an advantage on you and you're worried about momentum, call that play, but not in this tight of a ball game. Like I I was shocked by that. Also Thomas special teams, big issue for Michigan in this game against Alabama. If they play like that in this game could cost them a national championship, two fumbled punts. I believe a mixed missed extra point and a missed field goal all in the same game from the Michigan special teams. That ain't going to get it done. I'm shocked it got it done against Bama, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have that happen. All right, Thomas, we're going to put an early bow on this one because we were just talking about one game this week. Michigan right now is favored four and a half points in this national championship. From what you saw in Michigan versus Alabama, because you're right, I'll be honest, I had not seen a whole lot of Washington play. I had not seen a whole lot of Michigan play of the four teams I'd seen the most of was Alabama. So I'm learning more about these teams as I get prepared here, but based on what we know, who, you know, Michigan's a favorite at four and a half who you got going into this. If you, you know, obviously we were so, so well predicted last <laughs> game, um, you know, that's two games. What, what are your thoughts here?
1: You know, I, I'm first, first of all, I'm, I'm wildly excited for this game, and I don't know if it's the fact that we got some some newbies in the game, and this is not you know another Alabama, LSU, Georgia, whatever you want to call it. I'm very excited. I think these teams match up very well. I think this is could be just a slugfest to the last minute, which I'm glad is kicking off a little bit earlier. But Washington. For Washington to win, Washington needs to get out to a two-score lead early because I firmly believe that Michigan's game plan will be to just wear Washington down with that good run game and get into the fourth quarter when it's a one-score game. So my main question is, can Washington slow down Michigan's run game? They've really only done that once against an elite team all year, and that was Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. I do think they can do it. I hope they can do it. Honestly, I'm, I hope this is not me just because I'm pulling for Washington in this game, but I think Washington's kind of got a little bit of that Cinderella story going for him this year. I'm pulling for him. And I think they're going to pull this one out in a squeaker and I'm going to love every minute of it.
0: Yep. I I agree with you there. Um, Last time we agreed with each other, it turned out so great, but you're (laughs) right. 7 30 kick is an earlier kick. I'm excited for this game. And I think you're right. I think it's the new blood. I mean, Yes, Michigan is a traditional power, but they haven't been what they were in the nineties for quite some time. And you're just excited. I'm excited it's not Alabama. It's not Georgia. I'm certainly excited it's not Clemson. And you know, it's not your your traditionals. I like what Washington does on offense. I think they do it well. I think they are well versed in it. And quite honestly, Michigan had a little bit. Of a horseshoe, you know, where in that game against Alabama to not have some of those mistakes come back and bite them. And so if Washington plays clean football, and by that I mean no turnovers, or at least win the turnover battle, not silly penalties, procedural penalties, or missed opportunities. You know, you can't have a play where guys running down the middle of the field wide open, and for whatever reason, Penix just overthrows him. You know, you, you got to connect. It's, I think it's going to be a great game, and I think it's true. This sounds like a boring way of saying it, but I don't mean it that way. I think it comes down to who makes less mistakes. Yeah, I think it's going to come down because they're both pretty evenly matched. I do think this will be an exciting ball game, but I, I think it's going to come down to who is the most locked in and who makes the least mistakes. I'm also going with the Huskies. I think they're going to get this win. I agree with you. They need to start strong. Don't let this Michigan defense lean on you. All of a sudden, you're down. Now Michigan can ground and pound. Now they can give the ball to Blake Corum and not have to give it to you. So, you know, don't have to worry about all that flea flicker stuff and all that. But it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be good stuff. Thomas, I'm excited for it. You're excited for it. Before we head out the door, tell the people anything you want to tell them as they get ready for Monday's national championship game.
1: Don't take it for granted, everybody. We're about to enter the dark period of no college football, and it's going to be sad and very depressing until we can get back at it. But don't worry. We'll be back next week to wrap up the season, hopefully talk about a fantastic national championship game. Everybody, go to Twice the Ice, get the ice, get your beers cold, get ready for some good football on Monday night. See you. See ya.